Welcome to Break Free From Corporate, the only podcast dedicated to bringing you business success secrets from leading entrepreneurs with one thing in common. They left the corporate world, became their own boss, and are now living incredible lives. To access previous and all future episodes, visit BreakFreeFromCorporate.com and subscribe today. Hello and welcome. Gavin Sequeri here, founder of BreakFreeFromCorporate.com. Glad you could join us. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to entrepreneur Simone Novello from PartnerUp, who's been kind enough to share her thoughts and time with us here today. Our aim for this podcast is really to share her story and how she was able to leave the corporate world and uh, basically start up her own company and is now following her path in her dreams. So, Simone, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Gavin. Always a pleasure to have a, a good chat to you and share things with your audience. Awesome. Now, what I'm going to do, Simone, is I'm going to just share with our audience, uh, you know, who you are, a little bit about your background so they know a little bit more about where you've come from, what you're doing, and then, you know, we'll get into a little bit more of the, the nitty gritty around your, your circumstances, your life, and how things have panned out. So here's just a little bit about Simone. Simone is an ex-corporate entrepreneur who left a very well-established corporate career most people would aspire to. I know from speaking with her that she had um, a successful job traveling the world, you know, doing all the sort of things that we all hear about, eating in fine restaurants, you know, staying at luxurious hotels, had a healthy six-figure income, and, you know, she got to meet and mix with very, you know, glamorous people in her career. After building enormous success for major brand clients and even some startup partners, Simone embarked on her entrepreneurial journey eight years ago. With her success has come some prestigious marketing institute awards, and now she's a sought-after expert in her field. Simone is also a solo parent with two young boys and lives in the beautiful Blue Mountains here in Sydney, and she does this for a better health and lifestyle. Her vision is to have a business that makes a real difference to business owners. Simone's company is called PartnerUp. You can visit her site at partnerup.com.au. And as the title suggests, it's all about the value of strategic alliances. And we're very happy to have her here with us. So, Simone, um, after that intro, was there anything you think I might have left out or anything you feel you need to add um, to what I've just said? No, I think you did a brilliant job, actually. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. All right, excellent. Well, let's get into it. Now, I know we've spoken many times in the past, and I know you're passionate about your, what you do, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. Now, when you left the corporate world, you were at the height of your success. I remember you sharing a lot of stories about what you did, but tell me something. What actually made you or convinced you that you had to do something on your own? I mean, why give up such a successful career in, in what you were doing? Uh, so... You I grew up with um, parents who ran their own businesses. My father had a bit of an entrepreneurial streak. Um, mm -hmm. They ran a lot of small businesses. So I think I grew up with parents that were in fairly – worked hard but had flexible, um, you know, jobs because they ran their own businesses. So I probably grew up with a bit of the entrepreneurial bug to begin with. I then got a degree and went into corporate and really, really enjoyed it. But I found – that the, the most time I spent in a job was four years and the older I got, um, I found the, the less time I wanted to stay in the one role. Right. So I found myself, I would be hired because I'd come in and I'd shake things up, I'd get results that no one else could get. I was a calculated risk taker. I was innovative. I'd do things differently. 
And that was the reason the MDs would hire me. But within, say, a two-year period, it was the same reason the MDs and I did start butting heads uh, because I I wanted to keep rocking the boat and they were happy with what I'd done. They didn't want to go any further. Mm. So so I was someone that continually wanted to push the boundaries of of potential and uh, and that certainly in a corporate environment will only take you so far. And uh, and so I, I was starting to find corporate very restrictive um there was too much inertia Mm -hmm. and i also found the higher i climbed the ladder the more i saw the discrepancy between what females were able to achieve and what the males at the same level were able to achieve um in terms of in terms of the rewards so i guess i was feeling a little bit constrained and a little bit um frustrated with the way things were so you know it's, it's pretty hard to change things in any significant way within a corporate environment so I think those were a lot of the motivators for me to think about going out on my own and and there was an opportunity that came up that was a little bit too good um, for me to to ignore and I took the opportunity first to our managing director at the time I had a watertight business case for why we should do it. It was virtually zero risk. Right. And uh, and this was at the point where, where he and I were probably already getting a little bit uh, <laughs> uncomfortable with each other. Yeah. And, uh, and he turned to me after an hour and a half presentation and he told me no. And I, I said, why no? He said, because I can say no and that's my decision. So there was actually <laughs> no good reason for it. Sure. So, uh, so I then went to the client who had um, presented me with the opportunity and I said, look, I'm afraid that um, the company said no. And he said to me, would you consider doing it for us anyway? And and so that was really, I, it was basically a calling. It was an opportunity where I thought, why not? Yeah. So, so I started um, making, doing some, making my inquiries, doing my research, um, I told them that you know I wasn't ready to jump into it straight away. I needed some time to think about it, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I started basically taking measures to look into what it would involve. Because at the time I had the one son, and then right. about what would be right for him and me, and uh, and then as fate would have it, uh, it was things were coming to a head in the company I was in, and I'd said to a friend of mine another director in the company, I said, um, I'm going to resign on Monday, but wouldn't it be great if they offered me a voluntary redundancy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, that'll never happen. And the Friday before I was due to resign, um, I got the call and, uh, and I, and I said to, I I knew straight away when I got called into my boss's office and I had a big smile on my face (laughs) and I said, how much? Wow, you really put it out there. I did, and he said, it's amazing what happens when you put it out there. And, mm. uh, and he said to me, well, you know, you've got options. He thought I was going to be upset about being offered a, a voluntary redundancy. And I said, oh, no, I'm more than ready to leave. <laughs> I know the <laughs> and feeling. so I called my friend downstairs and I said, um, "I said you wouldn't believe it. And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the funny thing was when I, when I was offered the redundancy, um, they knew I was one of their best negotiators, so I knew they didn't come in with their best offer. Right. And uh, basically, I, I made them triple it before I left the room. Oh, wow. Okay. Well done. So yeah. it was a win-win outcome for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was just opportune, an opportune time for you, and you were ready to make that move, and, and I guess they were ready to let you go as well, and it, it all just sort of timed well. Look, it worked 
for everybody. And, yeah. uh, you know, there were, there were no hard feelings. Um, and, you know, I, I was... I left very gracefully. Um, I, I told my boss he could throw me a nice party before I left. <laughs> and, um, and then the money was great because it helped me set up my company and, uh, and and basically get stuck into this other project, which we ended up winning some marketing awards for. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I spent the next four years working on that project and, and going into a very large joint venture with um, one of the region's biggest loyalty marketing companies and a, and a mentor of mine that's extremely successful. So I actually joint ventured with her. Right. And it was a much more entrepreneurial, much more nimble company. So it, it was just better suited to me. And mm. and I think, I think it was just really about listening to my gut and understanding and going with the flow, but, you know, knowing how to put the right things out there so that you – will create opportunities and then follow a path that is, you know, seems like a natural progression for you. Yeah. Look, that's, that's, um, I can really resonate with that because that's, you know, very similar to what happened with me several years ago as well. And I think you were off the mindset that you were, you were mentally prepared for something to change, you know, and it didn't hit you by surprise and, and you were already kind of prepared to make that next step. And I guess one of the things um, a lot of our listeners would be thinking at this time if they're in their current jobs or they're looking for a change, uh, you know, I guess what are, what are some key decisions that you had to make prior to, to leaving your, your corporate job or let's say prior to you having that meeting or putting it out there, what were some things that you had to mentally, you know, make up your mind that this is the direction I'm going to head down and nothing's going to stop me? You know, what, what were those sort of thoughts that were going through your mind? Look, I, you know, one of the things that I probably – wish I'd done was, uh, you know, done, done more research before I, I did make that jump into my own company mm-hmm. um, because the opportunity presented itself and everything happened pretty quickly. And look, sometimes you just have to grab the opportunity. Sure. But I, I went and saw a law firm and they were, you know, because you're in corporate and you're accustomed to having a big salary, you're working with lots of companies that, you know, charge top dollar for their services mm-hmm. um when you leave you know when you're going into your own business you think that that's the sort of money you have to spend and in retrospect i wasted a lot of money right. in those early days um you know i went and saw the top lawyers in the country <laughs> <laughs> to get my company set up and yeah um to you know get some advice around uh you know how i was exiting corporate and they just weren't the right advisors you know they they were not you know since then I have surrounded myself with the right types of mentors Mm -hmm. Um, but back then I I just thought well if you pay people enough money you'll get the best advice and that's not always the case so so definitely I think the key things are being pragmatic about and budgeting for where you're going to spend your money sure uh, because it runs out very quickly yes. and it takes a lot longer to get the momentum that you think you're going to get and, uh, and, and and definitely, you know, not doing things through trial and error and just feeling your way around because your own business is extremely different to corporate and, uh, and I found that you really needed to find out what all those resources are to entrepreneurs as opposed to trying to run and establish an entrepreneurial company with a corporate mindset. Yeah, that's a really good point because, yeah, they're two very, very different beasts, if you like. One, And you really do have to have a different mindset 
on one hand, you've got all the resources of a corporate company, but the minute you walk out of that corporate office, those resources are not the same. They're not going to be the same resources to help you in your in starting up your your business, is it? Yeah, you have to pay for photocopying. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay for photocopying. You got to make your own coffee, but not just that. You 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 have to find a good photocopier. You you know it's you got to do your research. It's it's not just it's not just sit, you know walk to the next room and it's all there. Um, yeah, look at. I guess once you once you did walk out, so now you're you know you're going through the lawyers, you're going through setting up things. How quickly did it hit you that hang on, I need to reassess my lifestyle choices, including my financial position? Because, like you said, um, you're no longer in corporate. You don't have access to these resources. Yes, you did have a pool of money that you were given at the end, but you were finding that that was running out quickly. I mean, how how did you have to readjust your 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 lifestyle? You know. To kind of suit your current circumstances. Well, you know, you know, I'll be very honest and candid with you, Gavin. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> I, I probably reassessed it a few years too late. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and again, for your listener, for the sake of your listeners and learning from my experience, I left corporate with a corporate mindset and and living the lifestyle that I had in corporate. Mm. It was only very gradually that I started to realise that I, I couldn't sustain that sort that sort of lifestyle on a startup budget. Yep. And uh, and and of course, because I went straight into this big joint venture again, you know, the worst case scenario in year one after doing extensive financial modelling was four hundred thousand dollars a year profit to me. So so I was feeling pretty comfortable with that going, you know, yeah, the money will be there, we'll be fine. Worst case, I'm going to have 400K by the end of, you know, the next 12 months. Yeah. And so I kept spending on that basis. And you cannot spend on a uh, – based on a forecast. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, you, sure. you really have to, you know, be as frugal as you can um, and, and, you know, save your, your – store your nuts for the winter – yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And what ended up happening to me, and I know you're familiar with my story, is that uh, I had a surprise pregnancy with my second son and around the same time the global financial crisis hit. So yes. we had secured the bank. We had secured uh, three major universities in Australia. We were building the Qantas frequent flyer of the university sector, mm-hmm. um, and we had a dozen other, you know, leading brand partners, and we were all ready to go. And uh, and of course, these things that that I couldn't predict happened, and and that changed everything. So you know, the global financial crisis meant the bank went back into consolidation. So did the agency I joint ventured with. And uh, and so the project basically got put on the back burner, uh, and and that that was extremely difficult um, because I had been spending my money like that money I was forecasting was already in the bank, right? Uh, and it wasn't in the bank, and of course it, it didn't come for quite a long time after mm. that. So my circumstances really changed. Yes, uh, it was probably only at that point, and that was about four years into my business that I started to reassess the way I was living my life. Um, And it was probably only in the last – and then, of course, I went into denial for a while and, you know, I took Mm. on some contracts and, you you know, you do what you have to do. But I found trying to build a business and do contracts for the cash flow and raise a family, um, again, was was pretty unrealistic, you know, in terms of how fast and how far I was going to go. So – 
I would suggest, and this is my absolute top tip based on where I've come to, was in my corporate life, I had an accounts department that would come out every month and throw my budgets and my forecasts on the table and I had to review them and I had to I had to answer to someone as to why there may have been deviations, why we were over budget or under budget and and, and adjust my forecasts and, and basically account for what was going to happen in the next period. That's the thing that I miss most in my own business. Right. And and I think it's one of, denial is one of the biggest killers of any business, I think. And I think it's where a lot of people get themselves into trouble. Yes. Um, I had a friend that said to me once, you give the impression, this was a few years ago when I was really starting to, to scrape the bottom of the barrel financially. She said, you give the impression that you're, you're a lot more financially successful than you are. Yeah. And that's a good, it's a good point because I think a lot of people are still living as if you know, nothing had really changed, whereas a lot has changed. And where they might have had a secure income coming in, a good salary coming in, you know, now it's it's highly unpredictable. You could have a few good months, a few very bare months. You really you really need to develop some stability, but you can't spend like you're you're stable because you're not. And um, I know that was a hard one for me to learn as well because it took, to be honest, I'm, I'm a, a bit like you. It took me at least a couple of years into my my business when I started after um, leaving the corporate world that I had to realize, hang on, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not earning the same money I used to. I'm not as consistent. I need to be a little bit more frugal in in just everything I do. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you're you're in a different phase of life. That's all. Um, so yeah, totally totally get where you're coming from. Um, now tell me something with what you absolutely. You, yeah, yeah, go on, Smart. Just start. Just on that point, because you talk about you know changing your lifestyle. I mean, when I was in corporate, and I was the one of the younger, well, I was the youngest director in in a global marketing agency by the age of twenty seven, and you know, I was very good income, and you know I had lots of beautiful shoes, I had an immaculate wardrobe, <laughs> and I had an amazing lifestyle. You know, for yeah. me, drinking a thirty, forty, fifty dollar bottle of wine, you know, midweek was was normal, it was no big deal, it wasn't a special occasion. Sure, and. I really, I did have to make a lot of changes um, when I stepped out of that place of denial. And, you know, you, you wait until the, the designer clothing sales come on and you, <laughs> you buy, you, you know, you buy your wine by the case through a direct wine company and you go yes. to more BYO restaurants and you, I even cut my hair short because <laughs> it was easier for me to dye myself because yeah. I stopped going to my, you know, $400 a trip hairdresser. And, mm. you know, and, and you can honestly get by if you're really committed to the entrepreneurial lifestyle and all the benefits that come with that, then those are the sorts of sacrifices that you're prepared to make. And, and I mean, I used to, my, my youngest, my oldest son, sorry, was always in designer clothes and looked fabulous, <laughs> but we just ended up buying things on eBay and, you know, I could still buy him Ralph Lauren t-shirts, but we'd get them secondhand and we'd get them off eBay. You know, nobody right. suffered in that regard. Sure. And you realise that, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sacrifices you make to have a corporate job and all those, you know, trinkets and corporate salaries. And and to be honest, I think that the, the, the changes we made um, were a really good thing for me and my children. And you can have a lot of fun off shopping. We went off shopping a lot as well. Oh, I bet you did. I bet you did. Well, yeah, I guess I guess what you're saying is you you don't have to give up living your life. You just you just look for 
ways that are now going to better accommodate your your circumstances. Don't live beyond your means necessarily, um, you know, because you you really are venturing into new territory. So like anything, you would, you would just be a bit more cautious, a bit more um, wary and before you put your next foot forward just know you know where it is you're going and and um, don't overextend yourself i think absolutely yeah. and, and get right involved from the right people early yeah. on and so these sorts of i mean i think what you're doing is fantastic and mm-hmm. these sorts of i wish that someone like you existed when i was in corporate and and i knew i had the bug and i was thinking of leaving because there's a lot i would have done differently and honestly i would say i would have saved myself Oh, I think cost-wise, at least $150,000, $200,000. Yeah. And then I think of opportunity cost. Um, I don't even want to think about how much I sacrificed there. <laughs> and, uh, then, and then the cost of trial and error and just, just taking so much longer. Yeah. Now, and I totally get it. And I look at what you do today and, you know, your business is all about helping form partnerships, strategic alliances, bringing people together. And it's it's based on a strength that you obviously had when you were in your corporate role and you were working with an agency and you were doing similar types of type of work. Tell me something. In for someone who's who's thinking, you know, they want to get out and start their own business, how important in your opinion is it that they they go down a path that is around their strength? So if they're good at marketing, perhaps they go down a marketing um, side of business, or if they're good at selling, maybe they go down, you know, selling and promoting a particular product or service, or if, if their strength is in, in whatever it might be, how important is it that you recommend that they go down that path, or does it really matter? I'll give you a couple of pieces of advice here, again, based on my sure. experience. I've seen a lot of other people do. One is too many people come out and they think, I mean, I was, I was in the loyalty marketing industry, for example, mm-hmm. so... We, you know, I had a lot of experience when it came to loyalty programs, but specifically within that industry, my area of expertise revolved around partnerships. So when I first came out, I, I worked, I, I specialised in a whole, well, I, I did a whole lot of stuff. So we, we were building a loyalty program and we were, you know, I kind of took on a lot of different aspects um, of that type of, of industry. And I didn't like it all, and I mm-hmm. wasn't good at it all. But I thought, oh, the more I can do, the more business I'll get. Um, I also the other mistake I think a lot of people make is they uh, they don't niche, so they go out and they think the more people I serve, the more business I'm going to get. Um, and then I think the other thing we do as entrepreneurs is you start one business, and then this bright shiny object comes along, and you yes. think, oh, I'll start another business at yes. the same time. And I know so many entrepreneurs where they go, oh, well, my other business, and they've got two or three businesses going. Been there. <laughs> I see that focus is so important. Yes. And, and if you focus on your strength, what you enjoy, mm-hmm. you focus on a niche, and I've got a really good video, actually, that I'm happy to give you a link to, um, the highlight where I did an interview with Andrew Roberts talking about niching. Sure. And he said, when you niche, you will grow 10 times faster in one fifth of the stress. And, uh, and, that. and that sounds great to me. <laughs> I love that. I love that saying. That, that, yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's, and actually, he said, a really, he said a really great thing. He said um, a lot of people stand on the edge of the ocean with a shotgun and they're trying to shoot the fish and it's really ineffective. You're just going for potluck. And he said, rather, if you get the fish and you put them in a bucket and you take to it with a machine gun, you're a lot more effective. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. it's really, yeah, look, focus is extremely important and you will enjoy it. You'll be better at what you do. 
Um, another woman I know, Shah Moore, has a great saying, and that is, uh, you want to be in the flame, not in the wax. Yes. So, you know, the wax is kind of all that other stuff we think we have to do, and mm-hmm. the flame's what really, what really excites you. And I think, particularly when you're in the early days of leaving corporate, when you do have a bit of money behind you, yeah. you can be really smart how you use that. Yes. Um, you won't end up in a position where you're bogged down doing all this stuff that you hate and you're not good at, because that's going to slow you down. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now that you're in business, have you found, because I know when you're in corporate, you have teams around you, you've got management, you've got staff, you've got all these people around you. When you're in your own business, and I know this as well, sometimes it can be a bit of a lonely place. You know, I know when I transitioned into my own business, all of my friends were still in corporate jobs, you know, and none of them understood why I wasn't coming back to the corporate world. It was very hard to explain to anyone. It was hard to explain it to my, my own family. I'm, I'm curious with, with your experience, you know, how did you find that transition? Um, did you find it a bit of a lonely place to be in? And did you surround yourself with a new group of people, people that understood what you were doing? So initially, when I first left my corporate job, I, mm-hmm. I formed the joint venture um, with the big marketing agency. So, and that was a company that I had worked for before. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of people there. I had teams still that I was tapping into. What I found was when I when that project got put on the back burner, and I, I literally went into my own business. Um, it was extremely isolating. So yeah. you 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 know you may talk to a lot of clients on the phone and you may go to networking events, but you're not really forming deep relationships um, with people that you can be really honest with and and bounce things off and get advice and get an outsider's perspective on on what you're doing. So I found, and, and I wish I had learned this a lot sooner, that being part of the right circles of people. Um, you know, finding your tribe. Yes. Uh, because your corporate tribe is very different. And I still have a lot of friends in corporate, mm-hmm. but you absolutely need to have like-minded people around you that deeply understand the day-to-day challenges and, and benefits of being in your own business um, because they'll really support you, you know, during the good times and the bad times and you share notes. And I know you and I met through Business Blueprint when I when I come to the conferences um, I feel so energized being around those groups of people sure. uh, in a way that you just you just don't get um, from your family or your you know your old buddies. Yes, they all have a different role to play, and when you're in your own business, you need to put the right people around you. As you know, I, I specialize in strategic alliances, and one of the most powerful things you can do, other than forming the right business groups, is having the right strategic partners around you as well. So yeah, very good point. Good you all then have a vested interest in seeing each other succeed, so it's way less isolating. Yeah, no, excellent. Um, I think you summed that up really well. Now, now let's let's fast forward to to the present, Simon. So, you are in your own business now. Things are going well, and you live a different lifestyle to what you did in court, but you still have an amazing amount of fun. Um, so, you know, I can only imagine how much fun you would have had in your corporate days. But you seem to be living a good, happy lifestyle, and and. Um, I'm curious because I know that every now and again, this question has come up with myself and I'm sure with a lot of people who might have left the corporate world and started something and, you know, have you ever been tempted to go back to corporate? Has that question ever kind of come up in your thinking? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there there are pros and cons to everything Mm -hmm. and I, I think it was about... 
two or three years ago that I was made an offer that I, by, from very large corporate been chasing me for about 10 years to work for them. And, and at the time, my business, so I'd moved to the Blue Mountains and I was absolutely loving my lifestyle up here, but I was really struggling with the change to my financial situation. Yeah. And, and I really missed the security of, of an income. And, of course, I had the two boys as well. So, you know, I was the breadwinner. I was the only one responsible for paying the bills. And, and I was getting – it's very difficult to um, – especially after a while, to deal with the insecurity of a fluctuating cash flow. Yeah. And, and I got to a point where then I'd been, I was offered a, a very big, so it was a bit of an emo- emotional roller coaster. Yes. I had a friend in a, a very senior corporate role who was going back to London and he wanted me to take over his job. So he'd spoken to the president and basically said to him that he, he needed to have me in the role and, you know, he'd be nuts not to have me. So the, the, the job was mine if I wanted it. Mm. And it was an extremely attractive offer, <laughs> and yeah. to, to say the least. So I was, I was very, very tempted um, to go back. And I actually made the decision to take it. And I took my son, my oldest son, to Uluru for a holiday. And I was going to give them my decision when we got back. And so I went away in the mindset that I was going to do it. And I'd accepted that I'd have to leave the mountains and, and put that lifestyle um, on hold. Mm-hmm. And we went away to Uluru and we, you know, it's a very spiritual place there and, and it, very quiet. We were away from the technology. And we, even though we went away and I, again, I didn't make the mistake of spending like this, this, you know, job was already mine. So we stayed in a cabin in the caravan park and we had a very frugal holiday. Um, and, you know, we did a lot of hiking and we did a lot of stuff that, that didn't cost anything. And, of course, the very fancy schmancy resort was there and I did go and have a massage after a very grueling day out one day. Yeah. And I just found myself thinking, you know, this is what's most important is being with my son and and having this pretty rugged but very, very real and very spiritual experience and I, and I actually thought about my life in corporate, to your point, and, yes, I had a one hell of a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it suited me in my 20s. But, you know, we, we partied hard, we worked hard, and it, it was very superficial. Mm. And, and I thought about going back to that, and, and it was, it's very hard to leave corporate. And once you've left, if you go back, I knew if I took this job, I was going to be back there for at least another 10 years. Yeah. And I thought, is that what I want for myself for the next ten years? By then, my sons will be grown up, mm-hmm. and and I'll have a nan- and I'll be able to afford a nanny, and I'll have someone walking my dog and cleaning my house and doing my shopping and cooking my food and caring for my children. And I basically, you know, I decided on that trip that I didn't want to be paying someone else to live my life for me, and then find myself drinking my very expensive bottles of wine to make myself feel better about the fact that. I was not deeply happy with my life and and that's basically where I'd come from and why I left it in the first place. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you, it's listening to that story, I I'm kind of reminiscing, you know, my own my own path because I I had a couple of um tempting job offers uh, you know over the last couple of years and 
Boy, sometimes when when you're starting something new, you know, you you might not have generated any income yet. You're you're questioning whether or not this is going to work, and people around you are, are you know, you might have some supportive people. I, I know how important it is to have people around you that are supportive, but some people don't are not, and and um, and that's just life. And sometimes that can be within your own family. Boy, it's tempting to go back, and I, I know exactly what you're saying. I I made that decision myself. I knew that if I went back. No one would think any worse of me. You know, it's not a it's not a bad thing to do. We're, by the way, we're not discouraging people from going back and taking a good job. If you, you know, if if it suits your circumstance and hey, if it sounds right and it and it feels right, do it. But like like you said, if if you can look forward for the next five or ten years, and if it's not going to take you to the path where you want to be, then you really have to question it because. Because you only get one shot at life, and this is your, you know, this is your chance to make a difference. And if you've, you've, your gut instinct tells you, you know what, I need to step away from this, and I need to be doing my own thing, because otherwise I, I might not get a second shot. Or if I do, uh, it'll be too late. You know, I've lost a lot of valuable time. Then I think everything you said makes perfect sense, and you were able to evaluate that in a, a pretty spiritual place like Uluru. Absolutely, yeah. and, I, and I think if you ever find yourself in that position, and look, a few things to what you said. If you ever find yourself in that position, my advice would be to take yourself away from technology and go somewhere very quiet yeah. and do something very meaningful and have a really good think about it before you do it. But also to your point, um, when I fell pregnant with Jasper, my youngest, uh, I had to do something to make ends meet because, you know, everything was up in the air at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but rather, you know, I had choices. I, you've got to give yourself choices. Now, the corporate job, the big corporate job, that was that was selling my soul back to corporate. That was a, a big commitment. I ended up taking a, um, a, a consulting role, which I did for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, it was not paying. You know, I was paid about half of what the corporate job was paying. Yep. But it was three days a week. Um, so I spent two nights a week in Sydney. The rest I was up in the mountains. So it was basically a, an interim solution and compromise that gave me some stability and cash flow while I reassessed and, and got everything back on track in my own business. I then made. I then had another big contract, which again was very consuming, and it gave me the income, but it was drawing me down another path. Yeah, and I ended up terminating that contract because I made a decision that I wanted to um, really commit to the programs that I wanted to build for business owners. Mm -hmm. Now, to put it into perspective, on um, the two the next two years, I earned ten percent of what that corporate contract was offering me. Wow. So, <laughs> for the next two years. Yeah. So, um, you know, in all honesty, it was, it's really interesting because I went through a couple of years where I had never been so broke or single that long and I'd never been happier. So yeah. sometimes when you, when you need to disconnect your self-worth from your title and your income, it, you almost do yourself a favor by going through that. I would just say go, go into it a little bit more prepared than what I did. Yeah. And and you know store some nuts for the winter, and uh, and and do it and really get a handle on your financial situation and be realistic about what your plan is. I think sometimes I win I winged it for a bit, and and look, you know, I'm very happy with where I've ended up. So it's been a, it's certainly been an adventure, and <laughs> and I think the reality is to keep it in perspective. We live in a country full of opportunities, and if you're educated and you have a corporate background you have options. That's right. So you can always give yourself options. Try to make it not all or nothing. You know, for me, it, it wasn't corporate or nothing. I ended up going, you know, for, for, with an interim solution for a little bit 
and uh, and I think you just have to go with your gut on a lot of things and, and do your do your research and give yourself options and choices and choose what the best option is for you. No, well said, well said. Now let's change tack a little bit. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about education because um, I know when we're in corporate roles and when, when you're in a, in a job, usually companies like to invest in your education or invest in courses or, or promote you to the next level to give you that higher level of education. Tell me something, when you started your your um, entrepreneurial journey how did you educate yourself on on a completely different level i mean did you did you do a lot of different types of reading or or listening to you know cd's or audio books or or did you go to different seminars i mean how, how did you what change in education did you give yourself so i i mean i i started off reading you know the richard branson books and i mm-hmm. i read dale beaumont's book on um female entrepreneurs um, and, and a whole stack of basically entrepreneurial type books. I, I then found that um, I, I got myself an executive coach who had coached me when I was in corporate. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of money on her and she encouraged me. She ended up wanting to go into business with me on one of my ideas. Right. And so... <laughs> And that was exactly what I was paying her to do, was to stop me from doing anything stupid and get distracted, which is exactly what I did. Again, getting myself a corporate coach was a stupid idea when I was now in an entrepreneurial life. Yeah. So so that that was a mistake. Um, I then went to a couple of seminars. I won't name any names. That's okay. I think there are a lot of con artists out there, so I think Mm -hmm. you also have to be careful um, with all the hype and and as an intelligent corporate backgrounded person, I would do your research and I would do your due diligence on anybody that you are thinking about working with um, because you even if you just look at someone's LinkedIn profile, you can read between the lines of, uh, you know, what they say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If yep. they've only got, you know, a decade's experience in the heart of, art of human influence, then I'd say that they're probably going to be very good at influencing you out of your money, but not a, not a lot else. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are the real deals, you know, and um, and, and again, I, I went with my rational head on and I did my research and I found the right people um, and put the right people around me. So absolutely um, ongoing education is very important. I'd just say do your due diligence like you would um, in anything else and don't put the wrong supports around you. So if you are no longer in corporate, don't put the sort of supports around you that you would have in corporate. You've now got to look to um, what is suitable for the business and, and life that you're looking for. Yeah, well said. Yeah, no, it's two different, completely different circumstances. You've got you to bring the right people appropriate to the right circumstance around you. So uh, now what I want to do, Simone, is – uh, have a little fun, not that we haven't had fun so far on this podcast, but uh, towards the end, normally what we do with our guests is we do a series of rapid response questions. So I'm going to hit you with like five questions, quick questions, and the first thought that comes into your mind, you know, just yell it out and, and um, yeah, I'll give you a couple of, you know, seconds to kind of let me know why you thought of that. But this is just more so people get a, an insight into how you think, how you you know how you respond, and it might might give them some some ideas in terms of the things they should be thinking and and how you know th- these sort of thoughts can help them as well. So um, the first thing I want to ask you is, do you have a favorite mode of learning? For example, video, audio, or reading books? 
Uh, definitely audio. Yep. And, and I end up going onto Facebook and <laughs> I find I haven't read books very well. I, I usually start books and I never finish them. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, good. Okay. So you're, you're more an audio person. Okay, great. Well, I hope, I'm hoping a lot of the people that are listening to this uh, podcast are the same because this is obviously uh, something they can listen to wherever they are. Um, I like now, podcasts too because I don't yeah. have to do my hair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, we all have those issues, not. Um, okay, biggest thing that you love about being your, being your own boss? Uh, definitely the flexibility. So okay. I, if I need to be there for my kids, I can be there for them. And if I want to go to the gym, I can go to the gym or I can go for a hike or I can miss peak hour. You know, I think the flexibility is fantastic. You don't have to be in that same, you know, maze that everyone else <laughs> gets stuck in at times. Yeah. No, because you're in control of your own time. Definitely. Okay. Now, are you a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of girl? My glass of wine is always half empty, <laughs> but I'm a glass half full kind of girl. Okay. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Now... Do you have a favorite role model or a hero and why? You know, if you'd asked me this probably five years ago, I would have said, uh, you know, Richard Branson or, you know, that type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, what I would say now is, is my neighbor um, that I had when I moved up to the Blue Mountains. Um, she, is, she is the, the definition of success for me now to, compared to what it used to be. So she has a beautiful lifestyle in the mountains. She's in her feminine power, not in her masculine power. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she showed me what it means to be, you know, truly powerful in a feminine way and to be fulfilled in terms of having uh, security and a meaningful life and to be a great mother as well. So Wonderful. Yeah. Well, that, that's really refreshing to hear because um, sometimes people don't look right next door and you could have someone truly inspiring and it doesn't have to be someone famous or, or a celebrity or someone like that. It could be the person living right next door, living the kind of lifestyle that you aspire to live. And, um, Absolutely. And re- yeah. reframing things for you because yeah. the number of times I nearly ran back to Sydney with my tail between my legs and mm. she gave me the strength and the guidance uh, to stay on the path of, of, you know, the vision and dream I had for myself. And she um, and she actually is the reason. I used to call her my fairy godmother because she's <laughs> the reason that I have the life I have now. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And then tell me, now talking about this vision and dream of yours, um, where, where do you see yourself heading into the future? I mean, what is your plan, you know, and, and where do you see Partner Up going or, or have you got a vision for greater things to come? Absolutely. So Partner Up is really taking on a life of its own now, which I think is the the greatest compliment and reassurance that I'm doing the right thing. So my vision for it is to create a community of partner-friendly businesses that understand how it works Mm -hmm. and are really all there to do better together and to uh, create a lot more of a lifestyle business or to have a business that's not as stressful um, and to, to reach greater heights than they probably ever could on their own. So the community now really takes on a life of its own. Um, I give them everything they need to get going and then the people, the people in our community are just taking off. And, uh, and so I have big visions of where we're going. Great. Uh, and basically it's, it's all well in motion. And I love the fact that you're, you're doing this to inspire people as well. This is not just a single-minded 
approach to your business. This is about inspiring a community. You've given it life. It's now almost running itself. And, and you, you've, you've really excited a lot of people in what you're doing. I mean, I think what you're doing is wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I just, I hope that more people like yourself come up through the entrepreneurial journeys and, and inspire more and more people to do creative things like that, because it would just make the world a better place, I think. Absolutely. I mean, look, everything I do is around the win-win mm. and, uh, and look, small business is driving economic growth in this country now and mm. I really believe that, that more and more of the most talented minds are going into their own businesses and it's really, it's called creative destruction. You know, we, we as entrepreneurs are just changing the way of the world and I think the more people out on that journey and committed to that type of vision, I think the better off we'll all be. Awesome. Well, Simona, You've given us some great ideas for all our listeners to work with. I've certainly learned a lot from you. I appreciate your time. I always enjoy talking to you. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. No, and listen, uh, folks, if you want more information about Simone or her business, PartnerUp, simply go to partnerup.com.au. If you like this podcast and would like to understand a little bit more about what was just discussed, then you're in luck. Simply head over to breakfreefromcorporate.com and we have a fantastic bonus gift waiting for you to download. All we ask in return is that you leave us a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, whichever you use. And lastly, help us share this podcast around with your friends, your colleagues through Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus or LinkedIn. We truly appreciate all your support and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of Break Free From Corporate. Once again, to access previous and all future episodes, visit breakfreefromcorporate.com and subscribe today.